Welcome to the Creativity Reflections podcast, a podcast all about your creative expression. I'm your host, Hannah Fitzgibbon, creativity coach, and I'm here to help unblock your creativity. Today, my guest is Chelsea Willett. She is a multifaceted artist, jewelry designer, designer, graphic designer, and she shares so much wisdom and knowledge as we dive into today's conversation. There are some lessons around intuition and building trust in the process and honoring your creativity and setting space aside for that and tuning out the outside world so that you can connect and really listen and learn what that is for you um, and having some tools that can support you in doing that. I know you love it. Awesome. Cool. Well, my curiosity is you recently ran a talk on imposter syndrome yet? Yeah, I did an Instagram live on it. And I was wondering, what did you learn in giving that talk and in doing it? So one of the things I wanted to approach doing that live and lives in general is to find a little bit more comfort in speaking on the spot to anyone who shows up. And this is actually part of my um, growing into my human design. And I'm sure there's probably people who don't know what that is, but being a manifester, I'm supposed to use my throat because I have a divine throat. And so I'm meant to speak and not all the time and not to everybody, but I am meant to speak about things that I feel, you know, led to speak about. So you know, a lot of people have approached me recently about imposter syndrome, including people who didn't know there was a name for it. And I have been working on it very intentionally for a few years now. So I just, you know, chose, okay, well now there's no better time than now to talk about this. Yeah, that's amazing. I was thinking when we first met, you very much identify as an introvert. How did that side of it feel this time? I felt pretty comfortable. I mean, the funny thing is that, you know, everybody who knows me always says, oh, there's no way you're introverted. You're so great with people. And I knew that about myself. And I know that I can stand up and teach. I've been teaching for a long time. So I know that I have these abilities, but I guess the part that was like the most nerve wracking was not, was going just freely without like notes. I mean, I wrote like two notes, but I found that I, I flow better without the notes, but I still felt really fearful of that unpreparedness. And also, yeah, like I do have to follow my energy. So I think overall making a plan tomorrow at 3 PM, I'm doing this and it involves other people can be overwhelming because if, if tomorrow shows up at 3 PM and I'm not feeling the vibe of being around people, then I'm faced with this other layer of like, Oh, now I have to face these parts about me where I'm feeling pretty introverted right now. I don't want to show up, but I said I would. I think that's, that's kind of a challenge for me. Um, I do have that spontaneity about myself where I don't like making plans. I don't like you know, pressuring myself to like have all these things on my schedule all the time. Like I'd much rather be in the flow, but for that, it was, it was cool because I, you know, I knew that one, I'm not physically around people and 
I was only going to allow myself an hour to do it. I was at home. You know, there was all these other factors that weren't as stressful, I guess, to think about. Yeah, that's so interesting. This idea of making plans and wanting to have some structure, especially when you're involving other people so that they can plan as well, but also wanting to be your best self and recognizing that you're fluctuating. You can't do creative work in the same way as a production line. Like we just don't have consistent, no one has, no human has consistent mm-hmm. energy through the day. And we sometimes wonder why it's so slow for us to progress. And it's because we're reserving like really early in the morning or like last thing after a big long day at work to do our own personal creative stuff we're giving it like the dregs of our energy and the dregs of our day and wondering why we're slow to progress. And then when we finally get to a point where we can do it in the peak of our day or around people who energize us and our work accelerates. There's this podcast my husband listens to a lot about elite skiers called Ascension with Simon Dumont. And one of them was saying, you know, he got to a certain point as a teenager where he could do this particular trick that enabled him to get on some like Red Bull tour. And then when he did, his skiing accelerated because now he was surrounded by people who were also doing that. It was the only thing he was doing. He wasn't also doing school and stuff like that. And so there is this change in what we can do when we honor our energy and when we honor where that fits in our day and who we do it around. So tell me when you have this fear of like, what if my energy isn't the same as it feels now? Like when I'm setting it up, what if I'm not there when I show up for it? Or if you know that you are a little bit off and you still have to do it anyway, what are some strategies you use to help you get game ready? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question Um, because this is something I've been exploring a lot. And I, it, you know, a lot of it depends on the amount of time I have before I realize, oh, I'm not ready for this or this is right around the corner. Or, um, I mean, it could, it could be something as simple as like, going to a doctor's appointment. Like, I don't know. I don't feel like going to those ever. So my point being is the amount of time I have before the event, whatever it is, I is very dependent on the tools I use. So one that is one of my sure go-tos that always seems to work is a walk and connecting with nature on whatever level that is. Sometimes it's even just like walking outside. It's not necessarily, you know, going somewhere. It could just be like stepping outside for some air. Another thing, um, I think of like nurturing things. So tea, a cup of tea is always something that feels really like home to me. And so even like showing up for like, let's say a live on Instagram, having a cup of tea next to me will fully help mitigate those anxious or even low, uh, low energy feelings. I think for me, one of the biggest ones that pops up is more apathy and not so much anxiety. Like I get anxiety, but it's more apathetic where I just am kind of like, Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And that's just like, I think honestly, that's the life of a manifester. The more I learn about a manifester in human design, the more I realize that we're either feeling like doing something or we're not. And it changes like every minute. Another thing I do is, is breath work. I've been practicing yoga pretty much my whole life and I also teach it. And so 
I do feel like I have a pretty good handle on the breath, the breath techniques that work really good for me. And that's definitely something that people should explore for themselves safely. I don't want to like give, you know, advice on how to do it on here necessarily, but even just like taking deep breaths is, is a big thing. Another thing I like to do is remind myself of why I'm doing it. So the imposter syndrome one, as it approached, I reminded myself like, I knew innately that it was going to speak to to someone, whether it was one person or five, I knew someone needed to hear it. And the affirmation I got afterwards just was, you know, enough for me to be like, oh yeah, that was totally worth it. But following my intuition is a big part of, of this in general, following my energy. And the more I can trust my intuition and the guidance that I have within, the better my energy is managed and the better I'm able to show up to anything I commit to. So it's, it's really like a matter of being present, I think, and and not saying yes to things that I know later I might question. They're all such valuable tools, breath work, going for a walk, um, connecting with your why, recognizing what emotion you're feeling in the first place and being able to deal with that. And I also agree that tea is magic. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> you have such great self-awareness. I love the noticing the difference between anxiety and apathy. I think so many times we jump into the buzzwords that people talk about us feeling and they often oversimplified and we don't really know what we're feeling or how we're feeling it. And I'm totally guilty of this. It took me a long time and I'm still learning how to define different emotions I feel they need different tools right anxiety is a completely different thing to address than apathy but they can feel they can come from the same cause so it's easy to think that they are then the same effect I love your responsive tools and that you have a list that you know what they are and that you can use the one that fits the time frame and the circumstances that you have as opposed to over-relying on a rigid set of rituals or things that maybe could compound the issue if you didn't have enough time. Yeah. I mean, I can honestly thank somatic experiences and somatic therapy for that. Yeah. Awesome. So what are some other ways that you include intuition in your creativity? One way is I keep a mini journal with me at all times and I write down like anything that comes to mind. Cause for me, like throughout the day, I'll be like walking outside and immediately think, oh, I should paint that scrub jay that I just saw on that tree. But, you know, by the time I walk home, I'll most likely forget the full idea that I was having. Cause usually you have this idea, right? And it's just a little seed. And then I've found that when I sit on that seed for a little while, it starts to bloom and become this much grander idea of like how I want the project to be fulfilled. And so carrying a notebook and just writing down those notes. And if I don't have the notebook, I actually have like a spot in my phone where I write all this stuff down and I'll just jot down the thing I'm feeling. Cause usually when those things hit, it doesn't, it's not just like I'm wandering around in my mind. It feels like a very deep nudge when I get a creative nudge to, to create something specific. So I'll write it down. And then I almost always sleep on stuff for a while. Personal projects, that's very specific too. 
when it comes to clients, I think for me, the biggest way that it comes up, which kind of keeps biting me, I keep like relearning this lesson is paying attention to the very first conversation I have with a potential client, because I generally know whether it's a match or not right away. And I have said yes, many times when it, you know, doesn't feel like the right project for me. I mean, it could be a range of things, right? It's not just the person. It comes down to like, am I the best fit for this project? Do I want to be charging what their budget is? Do I, you know, jive with their company? There's so many, there's such a range of things that could fall into that intuitive feeling, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that that is a big way that I'm trying to trust it more and not keep relearning that lesson. <laughs> mm, that's harder though, right? The stakes are higher. Totally. So I think, yeah, that's a harder area. I'm, I have some tools I'm putting into place to try to like trust my intuition more and really be guided specifically in that area. But um, one last note on like creative uh, projects is that I think also the execution of the project could be intuitive because, you know, naturally I could think, oh, that, that would be great if I painted it. But then when I start to like think about it and formulate the idea, sometimes that changes. So it's, it's really following those deeper feelings and like gut instincts where maybe it's not supposed to be a painting. Maybe it's supposed to be something else. And trying to tune into that. You know, I have to, I have to really, this is, I think where imposter syndrome can, can come in because when those things land, I have to tune out the outside stuff. Otherwise I easily feel like, oh, there's no way I could make that piece or there's no way I could accomplish this. Or there's a million other people making this same thing, or they're doing it better or whatever the, you know, thing that pops up is. And so I, you know, there's times where I've wanted to completely just get rid of all the social media stuff for that reason, to be able to tune in intuitively and really focus on my own process. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love with the idea of using your intuition to, in your execution, because like you said, so often when we have an idea, it's a seed and it's starting to bloom, but we kind of don't know all the phases that that can go through. And sometimes things can end up looking really different. Like I often think of those plants that they bloom and they flower. And then when it's winter, you have to chop a lot of it away and it looks almost dead. And the external judgment would be like, that's dead. Chuck it in the, fo- in the you know, chuck it in the compost. But then spring comes around and it's been cultivating all this energy in its roots and it starts blooming in a different way to maybe an evergreen and that doesn't mean it's any less beautiful. It just has this different process of, of becoming. And I often say like your ideas will tell you what they want Mm. to become as you make them. We have to kind of go along with their growth cycle, not just have our own idea Mm -hmm. of how it should look. And when we are holding up that stick of comparison to what is someone else doing and how should this look, we close off the part of our brain that is open to experience, open to um, a new way and a new route, which is really where the creativity lies. Because if you know the outcome of something before you start it, it's not really creative. Yeah, 
And, and it's not, I feel like you, you touched on something really important there, which I've heard many people speak about. And it's that the creative thing coming through you is really like its own entity. Like it, it has a trajectory and, you know, when we're trying to meticulously control it and mold it into this thing that we think it should be, I think it, it really affects the, how it ends and how it, or it doesn't end, but how it at least completes in our hands. Yeah. So many of these things can be thought of as external. Cause I think we, when you're battling external, actual external forces, like other people's judgment or whatever, so much of it is perception. And when we start to see parts of ourselves, like our intuition and our creativity as separate too, we can treat them Mm -hmm. with a similar kind of respect. And then it becomes, it's not just, oh, it's just me. It's just my thoughts. I'm just making this up. It's kind of like, no, no, there's this thing I can put my attention on and then I can experiment with it and learn to trust it. And it sounds to me like that's what you're doing is creating this process, this trustworthy process of intuition in low stakes environments. So experimenting with it in your execution and noticing that it creates something better than what you thought and in using it in where, what projects you're interested in and that sort of thing. And the more trust you build in the process, the more you'll feel comfortable to apply it to higher stakes situations because the story then becomes, I'm not turning down a client. The story becomes, I'm trusting something that always turns up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. I love this concept of intuition with creativity because it can feel a little bit, sometimes it can feel a little bit woo-woo. And what I mean by that is this thing that creates through me and it, I'm kind of at the whim of it when it feels like coming through me or not. Um, but what I hear from you is it's always there And if I learn to pay attention to it, then I can build trust in it. I can build this relationship with this um, inner knowing as opposed to something that can come, that can leave me or be there or not be there. And I, it's a lot more empowering the way you see it. I'm curious about how that has evolved for you. Have you always considered yourself intuitive or have you ever resisted that idea? Um, I've always kind of considered myself intuitive, even as a kid. And I've never really thought of being creative as something that just comes and goes. I've always seen it as it's a practice and it's a part of your daily thing. Like, I think that's where I feel like, you know, other people maybe get kind of caught up in like the idea of being blocked, so to speak, so to say, because, you know, I would be blocked too if I had the mentality of like, oh, creativity just comes and goes. I, you know, whatever. But I've really chosen to think like, this is a practice. This is a commitment. This is something that I'm choosing to do constantly. And yeah, like I think the higher intuitive like ideas about larger projects aren't there every single day but there's always the opportunity and the welcoming to be creative, to step into a flow. And, you know, I brought up Seth Godin in my imposter syndrome live um, on Instagram, because I think he's just one of the most powerful people to listen to on this topic specifically, because he talks about, there's no writer's block. 
he says like, this does not exist. And I'm not going to go into all the details why he says this. I, I recommend everybody just go check out why he says that. Cause I think it's an incredibly powerful thing to listen to. And it's, there's a lot of moving parts, but you know, he's, he's been a huge like online mentor for me in the creative realm, just recognizing that, um, you know, work doesn't come when you just spend five minutes, one time a week on it. Like this, this is a process and it's a practice. And if I want to make it happen, then I need to be diving into it daily, whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes or five hours, it needs to be a part of my everyday life if I want it to be. Yeah. Awesome. And that's so right. Like for you, it's become part of your habit. It is so important to you that you make that choice and then you don't get weighed down by all the things getting in the way. The, what if, do I do it? Do I not do it? You've already chosen. Yes, I do it. And that compounds, right? Over time, you get a ton more learning, a ton more experience. You progress anyway, and it detaches from the outcome of why what you want to get in return for it it's more about just showing up yeah I mean I I've been the person that has every excuse in the book and I've also been the person that shows up every day to paint for three hours and the person who had every excuse in the book like that person needs to just step aside because you know, and there, and there, I think there's ways to obviously like nurture your environment. Like if you're not setting up a a time and a place for something to happen, then it's not going to happen. Like I have a, I have a, an art area in my house, or if I had just a room, I would have an art area in that room. I think it's incredibly important if it is a, you know, if, if it's a passion and if it's a priority in someone's life. So yeah, I mean, I totally, used to have the excuse of like, oh, I don't have space. I don't have this or that. But I know people living in vans who create some amazing stuff constantly. So for me, there's no, like, that's just not an excuse for not creating. Yeah. As you're talking, I'm hearing words like honoring, honoring your creativity and building trust in the process and building trust in your intuition. These are such valuable lessons. And it's so cool, I think, sometimes to hear from someone who's a few steps ahead when you're just getting started or whatever, who is still constantly choosing. I'm choosing my creativity every day and I'm cultivating it. And that comes back to that idea of it being separate from you, but also part of you is that when you cultivate your time with your creativity, just like you would cultivate time with a friend or time with a relationship that you're trying to build, like that the more time you spend with friends, the more personal jokes you have, the more trust and connection and intimacy you have, the easier it is to drop into where you were last time you caught up, you know, and it's the same with your creativity. The more time we spend with it, the easier we can get into flow, the easier we can know what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Totally. I know. I mean, it's, yeah, that's why there's so much content on practice and, you know, putting time into like, I mean, it's funny because like you look at sports and like you have to practice to play sports and you have to be consistent and you have to like, you know, when it's like basketball time, you have practice all the time and then you play a game or a tournament and it's like, 
that for some reason doesn't always translate into creative processes. Like in art school, one, one of the biggest things I loved about art school was having a deadline. You know, it was like such a love hate relationship because one, you know, you have to complete something by that deadline. And so you are forced to face yourself and do it, whatever it is. Cause your art, your canvas will mirror you. So like, no matter what canvas you're using or what you're showing up to do, it will always mirror you. And so it really is like working through yourself to complete these things, to turn in on time. And I remember like so many people were so mad about deadlines. And there was even like some of the kids in the class who just would never do the work. (laughs) They would like do it, but on their own time. And they would just fully, you know, combat the deadline. And I just remember being so grateful that I, I just felt like, oh, these deadlines are actually really good for me because they force me to show up and do the practice and do the work and face it, face myself every time, you know, whether it was a drawing or a painting or a screen print, it didn't matter. I had to face it. That's so good. It's because creativity is talent. That is the myth that gets in the way of people cultivating a practice because we think you have it or you don't have it. And if you haven't showed talent by age nine or whatever, then people judge you for not, not mm-hmm. knowing yeah. how to do it. Um, or there's a certain amount of, Oh, well, if I over, if I practice too much, then it will become too polished and I will have sold out mm. or I will have lost my voice. And we have these ideas that, Um, the only way that it can be good is to be completely raw. And that can be a very convenient excuse. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. I, I, people all the time are are telling, say, say comments about that. And, you know, uh, sometimes I get sick of saying like, no, everyone's creative. It's a matter of like, do you want to learn it and, and put time into it and make it a practice? Or do you want to just continue saying I can't draw because I, you know, I had to learn how to draw. Everybody does. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not, it's not something that just like, I, I mean, I think obviously there's a level of it coming out of you and your ability to see things the way that you need to, to be able to draw. But um, yeah, it's, it's still a learned activity. This conversation is so valuable, Chelsea. And I love talking to you. I always do. I always learn so much. You you're in it and you're so honest and so vulnerable and it's very generous the way you share your process it's really cool thanks (laughs) thank you I really appreciate you taking some time and so I was wondering is there anything else you would like to share or say that we've missed in this conversation around intuition and creative process I think the only thing is like believe that you have intuition. Like I've had people say that they don't have it. And that's just, I just fully think that's false. (laughs) It's like the last thing I want to say about it. Yeah. That's so good. And I've totally been one of those people as I sort of bounce between science and wanting to learn the neuroscience of all of this stuff and wanting to know for sure how things operate and then having some stuff that you're like you have to just be open to experience you have to be open to stuff not going to plan or not having a rule book or an answer for it um 
and I'm constantly switching between these two gears of like, yes, intuition, no, intuition, yes, intuition. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I agree. I was writing, I was recording a podcast earlier about if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. If you say you have no intuition, you have no intuition. It's true about everything. (laughs) You know, like people who say they're not creative truly believe they're not creative. Yeah. Awesome. So where can we support you? How can we cheer you on? How can we not miss any more of your amazing lives? (laughs) Thank you. Um, On Instagram, my main account is at Chelsea Willett underscore designs. Um, I'm sure you'll write out my name on this podcast. (laughs) And then um, my website is ChelseaWillettDesigns.com. Yeah. Do you want to share anything about Lula Mons as well or just Chelsea? Yeah, I have also just a little, I guess, um, side project or a place that holds all of my art that you can buy um, that's non-graphic design. And that's lunamons.com or luna underscore mons at Instagram. And uh, it's just um, Latin for moon mountain which are my favorite things. Yes. Yes. And it's got a beautiful logo and I love it. Thanks. I drew that up really quickly. <laughs> Intuitively, some might say. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to the Creativity Reflections podcast. If you would like to invest in your creativity and magnify your voice and overcome some of those blocks that are keeping you stuck, check out my website, creativityreflector.com.